Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lamory, Stephen Means talking recruiting. It's camp season. That means Stephen Means is living at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And that means stuff is popping. And on Monday, Stephen Means. Ohio State added a commit, so we'll start with the news. What do folks need to know about the latest Buckeye verbal commitment? Yeah, Ohio State might go on a run here over the next couple of weeks, couple um, the rest of June and the rest of July, as we kind of figured what happened because, as we usually can see, Ohio State's offensive commits kind of come early because that's the more established side of the ball. While coming out of these official visits, that's when you see momentum really start to creep up for Ohio State with some of these defensive guys. And so coming into the summer, they only had two, and those were linebackers Garrett Stover and Peyton Pierce. And now they've added a defensive back. Jalen McClain, the number 243 player, the number 22 safety in the 2024 class out of New Jersey. So that's back-to-back years that Perry Eliano has pulled a safety out of New Jersey with obviously Jaden Bonsu being that as a similarly ranked guy in the 2023 class. And this is, I think, a, a, a... I'm not going to call it a big deal because this is a guy in the 200s. I'm not going to try to oversell anything. But I do think that this was an opportunity for Ohio State to show it has – it still has a little bit of juice with other guys across the country because this guy put out a top 10 in February and it did not include Ohio State, and that's because Ohio State wasn't involved. And then Ohio State quickly got involved within a couple of weeks after that when Perry Eliano and the rest of the coaching staff had a chance to evaluate him. They offered him in March. He came down for an unofficial visit during spring practices in April, immediately scheduled an official visit to come back. And basically this official visit was just like the finishing touches on a recruitment that has been heading in Ohio State's way for quite some time here. Is it okay if I like it when they get guys from New Jersey? It, it just feels like a place that Ohio State should be involved. And at various times, mm-hmm. Stephen, we've talked a lot about New Jersey at various times. We've talked about Michigan versus Ohio state in New Jersey and Penn state in New Jersey and Alabama in New Jersey. And when you do, you look at last year, for instance, in the, in the two, four, seven composite ranking of New Jersey guys a year ago in the class of 2023, Texas A&M, Florida, Texas, Jaden Bonsu from Ohio state was fourth, Notre Dame, Illinois, Oklahoma, Penn State. Now we get into some Rutgers guys, West Virginia, BC. So that means a little lower ranked guys. And then you talk about uh, this year, the 24-7 sports composite from New Jersey. It just, they need to be in the South, right, Stephen? But this is a Mm -hmm. Big Ten footprint state. There's a kid. um, So this Jalen McLean is now the highest ranked committed New Jersey player. He's the Mm -hmm. third player from New Jersey in the composite. There's a Michigan kid, Owen Waffle. That's funny. His name's Waffle. Uh, he's the number eight player in New Jersey. He's committed. There's some Rutgers from Wisconsin, but I don't know. We Go get somebody. So Perry mm-hmm. Eliano, who's from Texas, who doesn't, I don't know, does he have any New Jersey roots, is going and getting a top 250 kid in Jersey? I'm into it. Yeah, it's a, it's a quality get to the New Jersey point. They've had some, they have like a small little pocket. It's never deep. Like, you're not going to get 10, 12 guys out of there where it's like, oh, they're Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson-level players. But, I mean, Georgia's in on a kid from New Jersey right now. We've seen Ohio State go get guys like Cody Simon and Luke Whipler and, as I mentioned, Jaden Bonsu, and now they're back with McLean. I think this is a quality get because it sets the tone for where Perry goes next. And where he goes next is home run hitting. 
That's with guys like KJ Bolden, who I've mentioned on this pod is Pierre Eliano's cousin. That's the top safety in the country, a top 10 player in the country. Peyton Woodyard, who was from St. John Bosco, a top 100 recruit out there. Uh, Shaquan Patterson, who is currently on an unofficial visit today as we're recording this on Monday and Tuesday. He's up here with his mother. That's a guy who's a top 100 recruit out of Florida, the same high school as uh, Jeremiah Smith down there. Uh, Shamanade uh, um, Prep. Uh, Shamana Madonna prep, excuse me. So it's, you got one guy. They're going to have at least, there's going to be three or four safeties in this class, depending on who three and four are going to be. They would love it if two and three and four or some combination of what I just mentioned in this, on this pod. And these are the same guys I mentioned in the text. And so you got one guy covered. And that was a guy from New Jersey who you have kind of fallen in love with here over the last couple of months. Now let's go see how many of these big fists that you've been in love with for a couple of years can you bring up to Columbus as well. You want a little uh you want a little crazy New Jersey recruiting trivia? You know who the number one recruit in the state of New Jersey was in the class of twenty twenty one? Uh no. Yeah, I don't know who it is. Who is that? Taiwan Malone, new Buckeye. Oh yeah. Oh, you know who the number one Davis recruit in the class of 2022 was? Davis and oh. Yeah. So, you Sir, know. Circuitous. Circuitous. Yeah. But got here. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And I like this. So we'll get, the ex- get a kid in the top 250. That's an extra base hit. That's a nice double from Perry Eliano. Now swing for the fences. This is, right, lockdown. Is this uh, – doesn't happen at every position. Doesn't happen in every class. But if you're if you're recruiting a position, it's like okay, make sure you take care of the guys in your state that might be of interest. All right, now let's maybe go in the footprint and we'll extend a little bit of the footprint to Jersey. It's a Big Ten school. All right, get a top two fifty guy in the footprint. Lock that down, so you know you got some stuff. Mm-hmm. And now you go wild turkey hunt. Now we're out in the bushes. Now now you're like this is real. This is Perry Eliano. At work, and if this where if this is where it ends for safeties in this class, then we'll say, well, that's not good enough. But at where it is now in June, you build on some stuff. This feels like maybe Perry Eliano doing work, and and when you're in your second year to school, this is how this kind of thing should go. And I think it's all about how much time do these you know in state or in footprint, as you want to put them, guys give you to go search McLean has been home for less than 24 hours from his official visit and he's already committed, which means that he made this decision over the weekend and just a public announcement hadn't been made yet. So now you've got plenty of time to focus on these national guys that you need to focus on. And also I think with this, especially with this room, there's been a lot of guys linked to it. I think the tea leaves of how Perry Eliano wants to put together a safety class in this group You see it a little bit because there were maybe some guys earlier who maybe got offers in the spring where you thought, oh, okay, that guy's probably going to be locked down in the class and he'll fit that in-state or in-footprint, you know, description that you just had there. Well, they're not in this class and it doesn't seem like they're going to be a part of this class anymore because it has clearly McLean has taken up that spot and the rest of these spots are for some of these top tier guys where it's like by year two, they should be helping your team with football games. Stephen, when we look at this, when we talk about KJ Bolden, as uh, a familial connection to Perry Eliano, I'm looking just at the the offers that Ohio State made to safeties in this class, and there are um, a bunch of safeties from the state of Georgia that they offered that have already committed to Georgia. Mm-hmm. There are three of them. And when you look at it that way, and then here we have KJ Bolden, who is still uncommitted. Jalen Hayward, number 52 overall player, number three safety from Florida, committed to Georgia. Peyton Woodyard, who you've talked about from California, number 69 overall player, number four safety, committed to Georgia. DeMello Jones from Georgia, number 84 player, number six safety, committed to Georgia. So Georgia has the number three, four, and six safeties in this class. KJ Bolden's the number one safety. He's from Georgia. I don't know. George's getting full, man. Like Ohio <laughs> State should be able to reel this guy in. Georgia running room for more safeties. Yes, it's 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 in theory when you're trying to build a roster. 
ideally you would think that, but I mean, we've seen teams over recruit year after year after year. And it, I don't even know if you could apply that logic when you're talking about the number one guy at the position who also, I think, lives within like 90 minutes of the campus. So that's what makes it. If KJ was from Texas, I think I would be a little bit more inclined of like, George is probably done getting safeties. And it would not really make sense for him to want to do that. But this is his hometown. And yes, the familial connection matters, but also being 90 minutes from your parents probably matters more in this situation. So this is Perry's going out hunting for real, for real. And there's a chance he might end up with the very class he loves and wants. And there's a very good chance he ends up with a class where they're trying to upsell it once we get to December, but that's the game that you have to play at this point. But that's why he's here, right? He's here because he finally has all the resources he needs to go get these guys. And they came close with guys like Caleb Downs, who he wasn't anybody's cousin, but his father and Tim Walton have had a strong relationship for years to where that did feel like a familiar, familial uh, connection there as yeah. well. And it didn't work out there. So you just got to – but you got to keep going for it. This is K.J. Bolton's, the Peyton Woodyard's. These are the Caleb Downs's, the Keon Keeley's of last class where maybe you didn't feel like you were best equipped to go get those guys. Ohio State does feel like they're best equipped to do that both from a football standpoint and from just the ever-changing landscape of, of college football with NIL. So we'll see. He, he's up to bat again. Does he strike iron or does he strike out this time? This is nothing new. Ohio State competes against the best programs in the country on the recruiting trail. But when you look at this 2024 Georgia class, Stephen, and obviously Dylan Rayola, one-time Ohio State commit, number one player, number one quarterback, now committed to Georgia. When we talk about someone like Peyton Woodyard, who's from California, committed to Georgia, but Ohio State is trying to flip. When we talk about Mm -hmm. Bolden and being in the fight for him there, how much is Ohio State bumping up against Georgia on the recruiting trail right now. And just the idea that when there is a program that's got it rolling, is it having an effect on Ohio state? Yeah, I think maybe more than Bama right now. And Mm. I think, and maybe some of that just might be Georgia's a little louder because they're the back-to-back national champions. And they're in a state where you probably pay attention to their top, recruits more often like because Alabama's had their fair share of top recruits as well like within their state but Georgia has been such a talent rich place and it's always been this theory of like what if Georgia ever just got the coach who just went ham for a lack of a better way of putting it and that's what Kirby Smart has turned into six five six seven years into his program now he's winning national titles and he doesn't have to leave the state that much to go get some of the most talented guys. And more importantly, he doesn't have to leave his footprint the same way Ohio State has to leave his footprint to go get these guys. And so, like, K.J. Bolden's almost the perfect example of this because the cousin thing is great. You're asking the best defensive, best safety in the country to leave a state where his home school not only is winning national championships, but they're doing it on the back of the side of the ball that he plays. And so on the defense, that's going to continue to happen. They still butt heads with Clemson a little bit because I think culturally those two, Ohio State and Clemson, have some things in common, so they'll probably butt heads there. But I don't want – Georgia has not replaced Alabama. We're not to that point yet. It just does seem a little bit louder when it's an Ohio State versus Georgia type of battle than it felt like it has ever been when it was like an Ohio State-Alabama thing maybe back in the early 2010s. This is not a surprise to anybody. The state of Georgia – Eight of the top 50 players in the class of 2024 from the state of Georgia. The ninth rated player in Georgia is Air Noland, the quarterback committed to Ohio State. Ohio, the state of Ohio, one top 50 player. And it Mm -hmm. is Bryce West from Glenville, who's certainly a lot of people are expecting to wind up at Ohio State. And then Aaron Scott, uh, another DB that they're interested in as number 56 overall player. So it's just one of those things that, again, if – you know how Georgia just stacks awesome linebackers and Raekwon McMillan would have been one if they had it mm-hmm. rolling better when Raekwon McMillan was coming out of high school and instead Ohio State swooped in and got him. So that's the kind of the, the reality of this. You mentioned Clemson. We haven't done recruiting for a little bit since we last talked about it on this podcast. Sammy Brown, the number five overall yep. player in this class, committed to Clemson at linebacker. Ohio State was interested, right? 
Yeah, they had an official visit scheduled, and so did Georgia. And then Sammy Brown went to Clemson, fell in love, and said, yeah, I'm going to cancel all these, and I'm just going to commit to Clemson, which isn't that much of a surprise. I mentioned it earlier how fit Ohio State and Clemson have some things in common. Uh, So it felt like Ohio State was third in this race, and they were behind the other team that maybe has a similar fit with Sammy Brown. Like Sammy, Sammy Brown is a Clemson football player who also just happens to be from Georgia. So you're asking him to, you're asking Ohio State to beat out the team that's the best cultural fit or the team who maybe just for mistake of on-field success is the best football fit. And that was probably never going to happen. And so nobody was shocked that Sammy Brown canceled his other official visits the moment that Clemson was seen first on that list. But another guy out of Georgia, and just because we're talking about Clemson, there is another guy out of Georgia right now, Edric Houston, who also visited in the spring, that's a guy that I won't – he's got some Ohio State crystal balls, and that doesn't shock me. Once again, that might end up being an Ohio State-Clemson battle, and I think that is one that Ohio State can win. And I don't think national guys uh, until recently have given Ohio State enough credit in that race. I do think this is a one where when he does come on his official visit, that can get very interesting for Ohio State very quickly, which is a big deal because there's a good chance JT Tuimaloa was gone after this year. We'll see with Jack, but you might have, I mean, you haven't pulled in a five-star edge rusher since the 21 class. And so Larry Johnson's kind of due here. So if you can pull, you know, KJ Bolden and Edric Houston between Perry Eliano and Larry Johnson, that's two five-star recruits out of Georgia at a time that Georgia is rolling, pairing that with Aaron Nolan as your quarterback and Jelani Thurman the year before that, that's pretty darn good to be messing around in the backyard of a two-time national champion. And when we talk about that, Stephen, those two guys you just mentioned, can we compare them? And you just did sort of to Caleb Downs and Keon Keeley in the mm-hmm. last class as a five-star safety and a five-star edge guy that Ohio State was very intimately involved in, right in the thick of the mix, and they don't get either. And then if we're looking for have these coaches in year two gotten it together more on the recruiting trail? Has the NIL taken hold? on the recruiting trail. Can we make a direct comparison here if they're able to get one or both of the guys you just mentioned in this class? I think so. I think that especially if they get both, I don't think it's unfair to be like, oh, they changed these things or they adapted in this way or they figured it out. And that's why this time around they got the five-star DP and edge rusher and this time they didn't. Now, they still got to get the job done because human. these are still their own human beings, of course, there's relationships. But I do think that if that's it, if they have both on signing day, I am going to say that that's probably the main difference and why it worked okay. this time and why it didn't work last time because these are five-star recruits in the SEC country. Okay. Just to reset as we are recording this on Monday night to get this to you on Tuesday, according to the 247 uh, recruiting rankings, Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Notre Dame 3, Ohio State 4, Penn State 5. It is notable about about Georgia, Stephen, that they're just out this hot. They have 18 commits in their <laughs> class. Michigan, 19. Notre Dame, 19. Ohio State, only 13. Penn State, 17. As you've noted many times, we've talked about a school like Alabama is just slower on the trail. Alabama only has eight commits right now. Mm-hmm. And so these northern schools are getting work done early, and they get out to these recruiting ranking leads. It's like Georgia's not waiting around. <laughs> like Georgia's, Georgia's locking up their home state guys. They're going out and getting Dylan Rayola and guys in Cal- Peyton Woodyard in California. And that's just the reality of the situation that why would Georgia wait? Because everything's coming up roses. But, you know, credit to Michigan and Ohio State and Notre Dame and Penn State for doing their best. And this is where they have to be at this stage. But also a reminder, Ohio State doesn't have as many commits as these other schools. So there is room for this Ohio State class to rise in the rankings, Stephen. But you, like we're at this stage, if we put an over under on commits as we record this, aiming it to give it to people on June 13th, mm. they just got one on June 12th that became official, became public on June 12th. Let's say by the end of the month, if I gave you an over under of three and a half commits, don't count McLean. So Ooh. from now until the end of the month, three and a half, would you go over or under on Ohio State commits? I might go over, but like four. I'm not going to say it's much over. But okay. I do think they'll be – I think they'll be over 20 by the end of the summer 
Because I think this is going to be a bigger class just because, I mean, we've talked about how many guys they might lose to the draft, both in graduation and guys leaving early. This is a class that might get into the 25, 26 range just because they're going to have to really, there's a chance they might have to really replenish their roster. Okay. That's good to know. And and last year, like not that, right? What was Mm -hmm. the number last year? 19, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So that would be big. That would be, that would be quite a difference if they, if they wind up at that area. Okay. Uh, quick break. When we come back, some more guys that Steven has seen, has talked to at these Ohio state recruiting camps. We'll be back with that next on Buckeye talk. Doug Marie's back with Steven Means. So Steven, as we record this on Monday, there have been two days of Ohio state camp activity so far. Is that correct? There was one last Thursday mm-hmm. and one here on Monday so far. That is true. And what is ahead this week still? So there will be a, another camp on Wednesday. There will, there's a 707 thing on Tuesday as well, but that's become more of a middle school thing because they're going to do another one for high schoolers the following week. But there's going to be another camp on Wednesday and another camp on Thursday. And then there will be one more next weekend. Okay. So you guys should expect for like another camp wrap toward the end of yeah. this week on Buckeye talk, talk after another couple days of this. A lot of official visitors over the weekend like this is just it's it's an active time is it not that ohio state is is making the case with with multiple dudes in this at this period in the cycle yeah there's a lot of kids running around ohio state right now there were about 13 there was 14 supposed to be 14 guys on campus this past weekend one by the name of mylon graham the five-star recruit didn't end up making it because he just had some scheduling things with his own high school football team that he couldn't be here but mclean as you mentioned earlier was a part of that group and ends up you know committing off for that there are some other guys like marquise lightfoot an edge rusher out of illinois who put out a top six coming out of that but that's a that there's a good oh he's got two other visits to make if nothing steals ohio state's thunder with that excuse me with that kid over the next two weekends that he's on official visits i see that kid very easily being in ohio state's recruiting class so that's another kid to keep an eye on and then there will be another big group this week jeremiah smith was here this past weekend and what one of the two times he's expected to be in columbus in june which is a big deal obviously there's been no noise of what he had to say about his Ohio State visit because that's not how this works. People only get interested when he talks great great about Florida and Georgia and Oregon and all these other places for whatever reason. But big group this past weekend. There will be another big group this weekend and then the following weekend as well. But uh, since we, I've already mentioned Mylon Graham, he didn't make it for his official visit. But because he didn't make it for his official visit, he decided to show up on Monday in camp. And he actually went through the full camp. And I, was, I got a chance to talk to him at some point when he was just kind of chilling out. And we were talking about, it's kind of crazy, a year ago, he showed up at a June day camp and nobody knew who he was. He wasn't rated. He didn't even have any of these recruiting profiles, whether it's 247 Sports or Rivals or On3 or any of these other places. Nobody knew who he was. He was just this kid from Indiana who showed up for, I think it was the first day camp of the summer last year. And it's kind of like the underrated story because we were so far into the Jermaine Matthews things and what was going on there. But Mylon Graham was kicking butt just as much. And Brian Hartline fell in love with him. He ended up being the first offer for Mylon Graham. And over the last year, he's gone from, as he even said, I've gone from being a no-name to being one of the best receivers in the country, which is a big deal because you're talking about Big Ten footprint. Well, there's a, that's a five-star receiver in the state over from Ohio state that probably needs to be an Ohio state win. And Hartline got in so early that it was a no brainer that Mylon Graham was going to be in the class. He's kind of been turning this way for months before he made the decision. And so right now it's him and Jeremiah Smith in the class. And that there's probably going to be two or three, one, one or two guys who eventually join him at the end of this June official visit calendar. You're talking about Jeremiah Smith and Mylon Graham, both receivers. They are the two five stars yep. who are committed so far in Ohio State's 2024 class. That's a big deal because last year, Ohio State only signed one five-star. It's hard to put only in front of five-star when you're talking about that. There's only like 30 or 35 of them in every cycle. So there's plenty of schools that don't get any five-stars. But that's the expectation at a place like Ohio State. So when you talk about five-stars, Mylon Graham here as a committed guy, other five stars around on Monday because you just have to be on five star alert for Ohio State because guess what? 
five stars are program difference makers a mm-hmm. lot of the time, so they matter. What other five stars are around Ohio State right now? So that would get us into the 2025 class with a running back by the name of Jordan Davison out of California. He's the number 29 player and the top running back in that class at Modern Day High School, a school that Ohio State's trying to finally crack open, obviously with Brandon Baker, the tackle in the 2024 class, who was also here over this past weekend. Jordan has been here since Friday, I believe, with his entire family, which is Mm. a big deal that a kid from California came here on an unofficial visit. That means it's completely on his dime to come visit Ohio State. All of them are here. And he he came on Friday. He stayed throughout the weekend. And he's leaving Tuesday, I I believe he's leaving Tuesday or Wednesday morning. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he stayed through Monday to camp and went through a camp with Tony Alford. I think that's one to watch. And, of course, we've got some time here. And, of course, the thing with Tony Alford is he hits a home run and then he spends the next couple of years striking out until he hits another home run again. But I think Tony Alford has put himself in a position where things are right now to if Brandon Baker is not the thing that cracks open modern day, even though Ohio State really probably needs that to be the case, I think Jordan Davison in this 2025 class has the chance to be the case. He, I mean, he's pretty solidly built together. He looks really similar to, to what Travion Henderson was built like as a true freshman, or maybe he threw out the name Zeke, which I mean, every Ohio, every top tier running back in the country who's in Ohio State throws out Zeke, but they do have a similar running style and the fact that they're both pretty physical and he really likes Ohio State right now and they're, and they're in the lead. So Alford set this up where he probably does need to hit a home run two years in a row because I understand you got James Peoples, but Jordan Lyles probably as the second running back in that 2024 class is probably more of a long-term development deal there. While Sam Williams Dixon, it's not a guarantee he ends up playing running back. He could end up at receiver, end up as a DB or literally anywhere else right now because they're recruiting him as an athlete with that purpose. Offer can go to bat again and hit another home run again in this 2025 class. And then you've got your two backs of the future with James Peoples and Jordan Davison, even though they probably go after another guy in 2025 as well. But Early returns on the number one running back in the 2025 class are Ohio State has a decent lead here, and they probably extended it because everybody from Jordan to his entire family was pretty blown away with how this weekend went. So can I can we put a star on any recruit from the L.A. area interested in Ohio State in a world where USC is good? Yes. Because this is the kind of thing where back in the day, it's like, oh, Clay Helton, he's kind of screwed everything up. So this is a guy, and you just you read about this guy. He's been everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's been like, it feels like he's visited every major school in the country. So this is a guy and a family who are clearly dedicated and able to take advantage, you know, and get themselves places to really investigate every nook and cranny. This would be a big deal. Like this is what it's one thing to pull guys out of California. Hey, you got CJ Stroud. Well, yeah, you got CJ Stroud. USC doesn't know what it's doing. Yeah, you mm-hmm. got Wyatt Davis. USC can't get out of its own way. Yeah, you got Chris Olave. It's like USC didn't even know Chris Olave existed. They're incompetent. Well, now they're USC and they're coming to the Big Ten. And this is always one of these things, Stephen, where you can flip it both ways. USC joining the Big Ten, is that more about USC now is going to be able to recruit kids in the Midwest to come to USC? Or USC in the Big Ten, does that make kids in Los Angeles more likely to choose Big Ten schools? And again, Ohio State's had some pretty good luck with LA kids. But, and and you read it, like USC's in on this kid. Mm-hmm. USC's not ignoring him. So if USC's in on him and Ohio State's interested and he's here for this many days, it's like Tony Alford, like good luck, but this ain't going to be easy. I was having a conversation with somebody while we were watching him work out today. And we were, I brought up USC, and I said, given where USC is now, if this guy doesn't end up at USC, is that like a fireball offense for an assistant coach? And because and you think it sounds crazy, except USC is good now, which means good USC should be keeping, especially at modern day, which is like that's the Glenville, the USC's Ohio State when things are rolling the right way. If that kid doesn't end up at USC, if I was covering, I think that's how I preface it. If I was covering USC and this kid doesn't end up at USC, I probably would say that's probably a fireball offense for whoever their running back coach is, that they let that kid go to the other side of the country. But for Ohio State standpoint, that would be huge because you're not talking about, as you just said, pulling great players out of a state where the comp, where the, the main competition is healthy, 
And it's not even similar right. to Georgia because Georgia has such an abundance of talent that they can neglect a top 100 recruit out of Georgia because that top 100 recruit out of Georgia might be the 12th best player in Georgia and they went and got eight, nine, or 10 in front of him. So Georgia has a, can do that. USC isn't to the point yet where they can be telling five stars and top 100 recruits in their backyard, oh, we can't take you because we've already taken the first seven guys here, especially on offense. So, um, like you said, good luck to Tony Offred. Whether it's safety or defensive end or running back now, we're saying a lot of, all right, cool, you're in the battle, good luck, and let's see if you actually finish it, which I think is a good place to be with Ohio State because we're coming off of last year where it did feel like they were in a lot of fights, and they finished second in a lot of fights. And it's good that you were in the fights, but if you're in them but not winning, then that eventually shows up on Saturday. It's interesting to think about as we try to provide context of what everybody else is doing affects you. So we mostly talk about this in terms of Michigan football. Michigan football is good. That has an effect on Ohio State, obviously. Mm -hmm. When we think about the modern era of recruiting at Ohio State, Ohio State has succeeded on a national level at a time when Georgia football was not tremendously healthy. It was fine under Mark Richt, but it wasn't getting it done in a way that made every great Georgia player stay home. Because if 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 Georgia was the Georgia it is now, Rayquan McMillan, Von Bell, who's from Chattanooga, he's like right yeah. on the Georgia-Tennessee bet. Like they're impactful, impactful Ohio State guys that maybe wouldn't have been here. Ohio State succeeded at a time when Texas was not healthy. They don't get mm-hmm. Jeff Okuda and Baron Browning and J.K. Dobbins in the same class if Texas is a healthy program. What if Texas gets healthy? We have to see what Texas is going to be, but they're getting more competent. Maybe they'll be in a playoff race this year. We don't know. Arch Manning is there. They succeeded in California at a time when USC was not healthy. Well, USC certainly is healthy again. And they've succeeded. I mean, there have been moments in Florida where we've been in this weird area where for the last couple of years, neither Florida nor Miami nor Florida State were major, major national title contenders. Maybe Florida State's getting it back together a little bit. It makes it harder, Stephen. It makes it harder. So all these other things, and it's not excuse-making. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We've seen Ohio State, let's go, go into Tennessee at times. Tennessee's a mess. Tennessee was great last year. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's got some juice in recruiting right now. They got Nico Malia. Ian Maliva. Ian Malieva, right? I forgot the first syllable. From California, who's like a top, was a five-star recruit. Like they got, I think they get after it in NIL. So if the home state schools in Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Texas, and Southern California are now healthy again, better go to Jersey. Oh, they're back in Jersey? Oh, good. Like you got to go. We've talked about this ever since I've covered this team. You go where there are weaknesses. Where are the obvious? It's good for college football. Everybody wants parity. Everybody's sick of the same teams all the time. Go where there are weaknesses. Where are the weaknesses? I think every year for the past 10 years, probably since Urban Meyer got here and Ohio State really became a player of the national scene in recruiting, you could say where the weaknesses were. Mm-hmm. And you could see it at times. And if many, if not most, if not all of those places, Stephen, are getting if not entirely healthy, healthier, it just makes life a little more difficult when you're going in and saying, leave home to come win a national title. If a kid in Georgia and a kid in Florida and a kid in Texas and a kid in Southern California can say, now nah, I can win one here and my mom and dad can come see me. It does make it a little tougher. I'm, I'm trying to figure out when the last time college football has been this healthy or at least headed in the direction of this healthy. Because you're, I mean, the entire 2010s, it felt like, if you're not Alabama and you're not Clemson, you're probably not winning national championships. And then there's Ohio State, who for some reason can't get above third on that pecking border. And then a bunch of these other places where we're looking at going, why are you not better at this? Everybody's coming in ready. Let's just go back to 2020, when the top three quarterbacks in the country were all from California, and they went to Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. That's not true anymore. That's not going to happen anymore. Texas is the same way. You just bear down this whole list. You can even throw Louisiana in that. I mean, LSU was pretty decent last year, right? And it looked like yep. it might be a little bit sustainable. So I, we're, if everybody's going to be healthy, then you just have to be darn good as a recruiter. 
because just because those places have healthy schools now doesn't mean Ohio State can stop going to California and stop going to Texas and stop going to Florida, stop going to Georgia. Because the moment you do that, you're not no you're no longer competing for national titles. If you're saying, oh, because the schools are healthy, you're not going there anymore. I, I'm with you with them. Continue to be in Jersey because Rutgers is never. I don't care what the healthy Rutgers is, looks like; they're never going to be great enough to out recruit you. And the same thing with Boston College, but. Go get the Jersey guys like McLean, but you've also got to go get the Georgia guy like KJ Bolden. You've also got to get the California guy like a Jordan Davison. Because as Urban Meyer put it when he went out and got Von Bell, we need you to beat the guys down here. And that's not going to change anytime soon. 247 composite ratings, the, the top players in California in this 2024 class. Of the top 13 players, five are committed, two to USC. Peyton Woodyard to Georgia, who we've talked mm-hmm. about, the safety that Ohio State's still trying to get. Julian Sayan at quarterback, who is Alabama's quarterback yes. in the 2024 class, who might be like a two- or three-year starter at Alabama. And then, oh, by mm-hmm. the way, Coach Prime's on the scene. The number 12 player in California <laughs> is committed to Colorado. So it's like, oh, great. That makes it harder, too. So that reality um, is very real. And so that brings me to a guy that you've mentioned that I want to talk about, Brendan, excuse me, Brandon Baker. Number 32 overall player, number one offensive tackle. You said he was here. He's He was at Ohio State in the last couple of days. Steven, is that right? Yeah, he was on an official visit over the weekend with all the other Ohio State offensive line commits. So Ian Moore and the Armstrong twins and Mark Nage got all the face time they could possibly want with him. And the visit went pretty decent. This is long game, though. This is about... Can they stay in this fight till November? And then this is another one of those situations where it's what is the family value? How much is NIL a factor? And if it's a big factor, can Ohio State withstand it? Are they in a position that they weren't in a year ago where if NIL becomes it, – because it's not the first factor with them. Because if it was, they still wouldn't be in the race because they're never going to do that, sit down at the table where it feels like that's the only thing that matters. They're going to get up from that. But with some of these kids, it's going to matter. It's on the list. It might be three or four, but it's on the list. So last year, if it felt like Ohio State had everything a kid wanted, but the number in that NIL space was so drastic that you can't make it, you know, it it doesn't make sense. Is Ohio State really in a better place NIL-wise? Guys like this are a good example of whether or not that's true or not. Even if they don't win the battle, if it feels like things are coming out where that's the reason they didn't win the battle, then we went through this whole thing for the past year just for nothing to change. Ohio State got the official visit from him. This coming weekend, he's supposed to be at Texas. The Mm -hmm. following weekend, he's supposed to be at Georgia. So that's three out-of-state official visits for a Southern California kid. Maybe he doesn't have to have one planned for USC because he can drive there anytime he wants. Yeah, and I also throw right. or I mean that one, and then he's been to Oregon so many times that, to my knowledge, he's not going to take an official there. So those two as well are big players. But also on July first, the limit on just having five officials is going to come off the table. So this might get it even wilder with kids where it's like before you used to use official visits as a way of okay, here are the five schools who probably have the best chance. I mean, now that they have – you can only go to each school one time still, but a kid can take 45 official visits. It's not going to be the best gauge of what a kid's top mm. options are anymore the same way. This also feels like – is it fair to put on Justin Fry, who spent time at UCLA in Southern California, who obviously is going to have relationships at Modern Day? It's one of the best high school programs in the country. It's a major player in Southern California as the UCLA offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. He clearly was in those hallways. Mm-hmm. Can we, can we add some oomph up the ante a little bit on, Hey, Justin Fry, who, by the way, just worked some of those UCLA connections to get Josh Simmons here as a transfer from San Diego state. Can we apply this to the Baker pursuit here, Steven? Put up or shut up cycle for uh, uh, Justin Fry. I think last year we let him off the hook when he only got the three in-state guys, because it's like, okay, well, you're trying to climb out of the hole that, you know, Greg Shadrawa dug for you, which some of which wasn't really in Greg Shadrawa's control because of health problems. So we get it. You did the bare minimum. At least you did that. You didn't let things – the sky is not falling. Well, you've done it again here. You've got your in-state guys. You've got your Ian Moore, who is a – even if he is a top 100 recruit, he's a footprint guy that you should have 
who also camped last Thursday and was on an official visit. I think he looks really good. That that guy looks he looks ready to play college football. Not start, but he looks like a guy who would be ready to be in a two deep in year one. And I was not really expecting that when I saw him on Thursday. But go get a guy like Brandon Baker. Can you go to you know Massachusetts and get a guy like Gibby Lambert? These are the number one and number two, three tackles and the top tackles left on the board. If you can get both or at least one of those guys for Justin Fry, if you get neither one of those two, and it's the same thing that we saw a year ago, well, then it's like, well, it didn't really change anything. You came here and you did the same thing the other guy was doing. Okay. Big stuff happening. When we come back, another very interesting receiver recruit to talk about. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, Stephen, this was a guy who was in on Thursday. He's more of a local guy. He remains super interesting. And Brian Hartline offered him when he was in third grade, I think. So where does Ohio State stand with Chris Henry? Good spot. He's taking this slow. I wouldn't expect any commitment to anywhere or even a top schools list anytime soon with him. He's like I said, he's. He's only about to be a sophomore in high school, which is what makes it so weird is you want to go, okay, he's got his offer when he's going to commit. Well, most guys his age are just now getting offers or at least now just now turning in the prospects for schools. He's just so ahead of the curve that I think sometimes you want to push that up, but he's still in the, he's just collecting information and developing over there with our high school in Cincinnati and going about his business. I think he's going to end up a Buckeye. I think everybody thinks he's going to end up a Buckeye because this is an in-state guy who is on the tree of the Marvin Harrison Jr., Jeremiah Smith. I am a tall, big ex-receiver, mismatch problem. There's nothing you can do about me. Next love of Steven's life type of wide receiver at Ohio State. And so it's just one that let it play out. And there's no real news to give right now because he's still just collecting offers and going about his business. But I do think this is the type of guy where whenever it does happen, it can be in the same vein as a, from a recruiting standpoint, as a CJ Hicks, as a Jack Sawyer, as a Paris Johnson, as this potential five-star top 10 player in the country who ends up being the face and the leader of a recruiting class. And it's, it's hard when he's that young, but again, he got an offer from, Brian Hartline last summer before he was even a yep. freshman. Yep. This is and this is Chris Henry Jr., the son of the late NFL receiver Chris Henry. Pac-Man mm-hmm. Jones, the former NFL star, has sort of acted as a father figure for him mm-hmm. since the death of Chris Henry. And he's a he's a Cincinnati kid. It'd be a great get for Ohio State. And again, it is it is just this mold now. It's funny, Steven. It's like, oh, when Marvin Harrison Jr. got here, it was like, oh, uh, this is different. Yep, And now it's like, can you get a Marvin in every cycle? Like now we've created this is how, <laughs> how college football works. As soon as you do something for the first time, it immediately comes something that you can't live without and that you must repeat. Mm-hmm. But for Ohio State to have that big, physical, sort of prototypical NFL number one receiver in every recruiting class now, I don't know. We weren't asking about that two or three years ago, but it becomes the expectation. And now – it's like, okay, well, they have their eye on Chris Henry Jr. for 2026, but you've got to think this way because there aren't as many of those guys out there, as you said. Yeah, these are one 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 of a – I don't want to say once in a generation because I hate – we say once in a generation, and then the very next year there's another once in a generation. But these are not normal wide receivers who are this big but don't sacrifice any of the speed and athleticism that you see from the six-foot guys. And, I mean, we just saw what Marvin did this past year. You're thinking Jeremiah Smith's going to come in here and do the same thing for two years, maybe even three years, depending on you know whether or not he can get on the field as a true freshman. And I think Chris Henry's got that same type of potential because he's, he's already 6'5", 185 pounds, and he's 15 years old. So Chris Henry Jr. was this – second player in the class of 2026 to get an Ohio State offer. There was this other kid, and I just happened to be out I think, uh, at the camp yeah. with, the, with you last year, this Tyler Atkinson kid who got offered last year as an eighth grader. He was talking about Chase Young. Is he, I don't know, is he around? Is he still on the radar? Or is it hard to keep track of uh, middle schoolers? I mean, he's on the radar. I don't know if that kid ends up at Ohio State. In fact, I would assume not just because what his size was then and what that projects out to be. That guy looks like a standing rusher in a three four, and that's just not mm. where Ohio State is right now. So it's 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 not about you know. And it, part I understand the Chase Young thing. 
these kids know what to say, right? They're not going to go to you know Ohio State and start talking. Like a wide receiver is not going to come to Ohio State and get asked questions. Go, yeah, I, one of my favorite wide receivers was Desmond Howard. That's just not a. <laughs> just not, it doesn't help them at all. That doesn't help them. So I, I'm not saying he was lying and all that. He probably does believe all that, but I wouldn't. He's not the same style of pass rusher that Chase Young, who was here on Monday, walking around. So yeah, there was. A, oh, nice. Yeah, it's good to see him. Um, and Mike Weber also was here, and oh, another guy I can't remember his name right now, but yeah, there's other guys around. But I would just that size, that skill set doesn't scream Ohio State's defensive scheme. Now, if yeah. that changes in the next couple of years, and you want to make him a jack, I could see that, but that's just not where it is right now. He's also from Georgia, and he got a Bama offer two weeks ago. So you know how that goes. So maybe they won't be spending as much time on that guy. (laughs) All right. So um, a couple more camps ahead. The Elite 11, that's a thing that's on people's radar. It's It's the big quarterback gathering. It has, at times, been hugely valuable. And, and program changing for Ohio State. We know the story. We've told it many times. You've told it many times, Stephen. C.J. Stroud gets the late invite to Elite 11, shows out. All the Ohio State receivers are there. They're like, you got to offer this guy. Ryan Day calls him. He gets the offer to Elite 11. We're off and running on the C.J. Stroud uh, career. What, what do our Buckeye Talk listeners need to know about Elite 11 right now? Because it's getting ready to happen this week, right? Yeah, it starts Wednesday, I believe, out in California. The the thing with the C.J. Stroud story, and you can even throw Justin Fields in there, even if he wasn't necessarily related to Ohio State in any way yet, because he was still headed, to, he wasn't even headed to Georgia at that point yet. Um, he was still uncommitted. But Ohio State future Ohio State quarterbacks have used that camp to show just how much of I am that guy they are. Whether it's them trying to prove it over one individual which was the case with Justin Fields and the him and Trevor Lawrence ongoing saga. Let's see if that continues at the NFL level or not of, is he better than Trevor Lawrence? And he beat Trevor Lawrence at that camp or it's Justin or it's CJ Stroud, excuse me, trying to prove that he just belongs there or it's Quinn Ewers in the 2020 elite 11 as a member of then the, excuse me, the 2021 elite 11, excuse me, as a member then of the 2022 class, proving that he was everything he was, people had hyped him up to be. And he didn't really, do that at that camp. In fact, people, there are some people who feel like they came out of that camp saying they couldn't really see a difference between him and guys like Kay Klubnick, who was supposed to be Clemson starter this year, who then ended up taking over that top quarterback spot once Kay, um, Quinn decided to reclassify. Ohio State has, and then Devin Brown, kind of the same way, even if he wasn't related to Ohio State at that point because USC was the most involved, he used that camp in 2021 as well to kind of make a name for himself and turn himself into a top 100 recruit. Well, Ohio State hasn't had a guy a part of that in the past year because they didn't have a quarterback in 2023 yet, and Lincoln Keenholz didn't end up getting an invite. So having Aaron Nolan there as a guy who can once again continue that legacy of like Ohio State quarterbacks go there and they kind of prove it that maybe they are the best quarterback in the country, even if the rankings never reflect that. This is a chance for him to – if he goes there and he outplays Dylan Rayola, it can probably ease some fans' minds who feel like – they missed out on the Dylan Rayola buzz. If he goes down, he outplays Jaden Davis as Michigan's uh, quarterback commit. Not only is that a way for Ohio State fans to have some way over the next couple of months here to talk trash to Michigan because they sure can't do it about the current team. It's also a, well, Jaden Davis and Dylan Rayola both had times where they, we thought that I was going to be Ohio State's quarterback and neither one of them are, but we really love our guy because he just went there and he outplayed both of those guys. So I think that's something to watch. Uh, CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, both of those guys were MVPs. Can uh, Aaron Nolan be the next guy to co- go to California and take that? Who is a guy who's continuing to – there are some guys who have their eyes on Aaron Nolan as a person who I think he might flirt with five-star status by December. Whether he gets it or not is a different conversation. But I do think if he continues on the, the path he's headed on with some, the way he's performed in some of these showcases and then puts that together with another year where he's – 4,000 yards, 47 touchdowns, and like two a turn, two a, a interceptions, which is what he had last year. That's a guy who I think can fight with five-star status because he plays in a pretty high, highly competitive division down there in Georgia. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in Redondo Beach, California. If Aaron Noland – I know it's almost like, do you, want your, do you want the quarterback committed to you to be great or do you want the quarterback <laughs> to, committed to you to be like, oh, man, that guy was – like, you know, I just saw a text the other day. It's like, oh, did you hear, uh, you know, people are sending us something about Aaron Nolan in Oregon. Like, is that, if he lights it up, 
Oh, is that going to increase the can someone flip Air Nolan chatter? Is this just life? Is there anything particular about Air Nolan? Is it when you have a Georgia quarterback committed to Ohio State that this is going to happen? What what can you do to either prepare fans for realistic discussions or tell them to ignore anything they might hear if you think it's not worth worrying about? I think you just have to continuously tell fans to ignore stuff. It's it's the Jeremiah Smith plague at this point of how we keep saying week after week, if Brian, as long as Brian Hartline and Ryan Day are at Columbus, Jeremiah Smith is coming. It doesn't matter how many visits he goes on. It's the same thing with Aaron Nolan, who won that, that, that concept. He did say he might be open to taking other visits, but some of that was a little taken out of context. I, I think, and no, I know that a lot of that was taken out of context. He might take some more visits. Why? Because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity where your family just to go around the country, seeing places for free, unlimited. I don't, there's not, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. The only time it becomes an issue is if they're not, the only time you need to be worried about it is if they take a visit and it feels like Ohio state didn't know about it. Ohio state is aware of Mm. everything Jeremiah has been, Smith has been doing. They're not, are they happy about it all the time? No, of course. No. Somebody actually said that to me. He said, I get it. I'm not happy about it. I'd rather him sit his butt down in Florida and only come here. But that's not reality of recruiting. He told me what he told me, so that's I'm just going to believe that. As long as the communication line is there, you got to do what you got to do, and there's nothing we can do about it. So if Aaron Nolan goes to Oregon, and when you check in with the Ohio State people, it's like, yeah, we knew he was going. We're not happy about it, but we knew he was going. Then that's not a problem. It does become an issue when I'll bring up the situation now. Sam William Dixon, he's the lowest rated guy in Ohio State's class. He took a visit. He was on Ohio State's campus this past weekend for an official visit, but the last weekend prior, he went down to Kentucky for an unofficial visit, and it was unbeknownst to the people within the building, and they were not very happy about it. Things have been smoothed out since then and everything's okay but it's one of those things where it's like we know we can't control you taking visits just tell us about it Mm. we're not caught off guard by any of that stuff so if Aaron nolan takes any more visits it's not anything to be worried about because as long as ryan day is in columbus Aaron nolan is coming as long as brian hartline is in columbus jeremiah smith is coming but teams are not going to back off because that's the i mean you're recruiting highly rated top 100 recruits which means the recruitment doesn't end until they sign a dot on a dotted line and even then the recruitment's not over because as we can see we've seen i've seen two players from the 22 and the 23 classes who are already in the portal there's a kid by the name of tavion galloway who was a tight end out of ohio who he committed and signed with lsu was there for a semester and now he's back in the portal so recruitment never ends this is just the reality of college football today is as fans, you see things, you go, should I be worried about this? And we go, no. And then two weeks later, you're going to see the same thing and ask, you know, <laughs> you're going to be worried about it. And we're going to give you the same answer. No. And it's just a song and dance of college football recruiting. So as a Big Ten writer for a league that has had 11, 12, 14, and now 16 teams, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't a thing to complain about, but the Elite 11 is now 20 quarterbacks. Did it? Was it named the Elite Eleven because they invited eleven? There are twenty. Oh, no, 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 no. They used to, they invite like twenty to twenty four, and they compete oh. to be get into the Elite Eleven. Oh, oh, oh! That's what you get into. Yeah. It's not what you are at the start. No, oh, you have so to you get that. sent home. It's like the Bachelor. I mean, you don't get, you sent, get sent home. home? No, <laughs> they just kind of pick them at the end. Of the yeah, they just pick oh. them at the end. That'd be wild. Oh, so if you, brought a, you brought a whole bunch of teens out of yeah. LA and they kicked them off one day by Out. one. That's terrible. Gone. Funny. It would be great for great TV. Hey, but teenager. No. Congratulations, teenager. Get out. Yeah. Uh, here are the 20 guys who are going to be there. Dylan Rayola, committed to Georgia. Julian Sayan, committed to Alabama. DJ Lagway, committed to Florida. Mm-hmm. Jaden Davis, committed to Michigan. CJ Carr, grandson of Lloyd Carr, committed yep. to Notre Dame. Aaron Noland, committed to Ohio State. Elijah Brown, seems like people think he's going to Stanford, but he's not committed. Luke Cromenhoek, committed to Florida State. Ryan Puglisi, committed to Georgia. Colin Hurley, committed to LSU. Damon Williams Jr., committed to Old Miss. Isaac Wilson, committed to Utah. Dante Reno, committed to South Carolina. Michael Hawkins, committed to Oklahoma. House Haney, committed to TCU. Will Hammond, committed to Texas Tech. Daniel Kaland, committed to Nebraska. Trevor Jackson, not committed. Seems like people think it's going to be Pitt or Missouri. 
Danny O'Neill committed to Colorado, and Ethan Grunkemeyer, who's from Central Ohio, committed to Penn State. So that's one of those things, Stephen, where the reason I read that is because not I, I didn't think people needed to write that down. But if you're trying to be a big-time college football program, you sure hope you just heard your name, mm-hmm. that your quarterback is one of these mm-hmm. guys. And so, like you said, last year Ohio State didn't have a guy there. Now they do. And he's one of the top five or seven guys. So that's a big deal. And so if you're monitoring this this week, if you're reading about it on the internet, if you're trying to watch stuff about it, you just understand that Aaron Noland, as the Ohio State commit, is there competing against Dylan Rayola, against Jaden Davis, against the Notre Dame commit, against the Florida commit, against all these guys, mm-hmm. against the Central Ohio kid who's committed to Penn State. And it doesn't mean the guy who looks best there is the best guy. But when, as you said, this is the when we tell the stories of Justin Fields and CJ Stroud, their stories, there is an elite 11 chapter. Mm-hmm. There will be guys, maybe it'll be Aaron Nolan, maybe not, but there are quarterbacks there who are writing a chapter of their story that we're going to be telling when they're in the NFL. And people are saying, like, oh, remember back, this is how this works. And so this is why it's worth paying attention this week and it is some it's not the end all be all right no but it tells it you is, something it tells you something yeah it's it's the first time that all these guys these top quarterbacks allegedly we regardless of what any rankings are telling you the elite 11 is the most prestigious quarterback evaluation in high school football and they just told us these are the top 20 quarterbacks and from that the top 20 quarterbacks in the country are going to go compete to prove that they're the best 11 quarterbacks in the country with one of them proving he's the best cuz he's the MVP. The thing I like about Elite 11 and the, it's part of the opening there which is why they have been holding in LA every single year which that's awesome that you want to hold something that prominent in one of the most expensive cities in the middle of the summer. Thanks guys. Sure. But you can't hide whether you're a quarterback mm. or you're a wide receiver there participating in the opening or a running back or a corner or a linebacker, or even if you're there as an offensive lineman, when Paris went to the opening, couldn't hide. You're going to go up against five stars, and we're going to see whether or not Paris Johnson is actually the best tackle in the country. Dylan's going to have to prove it. He's the best quarterback in the country. Um, Jeremiah Smith, I mean, he's been kind of proven it already, but he's going to have to continue to prove that he's the best wide receiver in the country. Marlon Graham, who – is actually going to be playing with the South Florida Express 707 team, the legendary team there. He'll be with them at a 707 event next weekend. So he'll get a chance to play with Jeremiah Smith early on. He's got to prove it. He's a five-star because he's from Indiana. There's a lot of five-star wide receivers coming out of Indiana. So he's going to have to prove it. And that, that's why I like these things because there's not it's not like a camp where there's 250 kids and there's maybe 15 that the coaches actually care about with all due respect to the other parents, but – Listen, this is how this works. You sometimes see parents get upset that they didn't get that. What was on the fire of, I got to work with um, Jim Knowles or I got to work with Tim Walton. It's because Tim Walton is so busy worried about the, the guy that he actually is here to see. It's, 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 it sucks, man. These camps are a weird facade sometimes, but you're not, there's not a rep where you're going to go up against some kid who has no chance of playing college football. Right. Every rep right. you go up against is a guy who might have a chance to be an NFL first rounder. So, like, you got to prove that. And I think that's why I like this event so much is it's one of the few times during these showcases where, okay, that actually meant something in a way that, as you just mentioned, when they're 27 and they're the – if, you know, Aaron Nolan's 27, he's the starter for the Denver Broncos. We're going to be talking about how, hey, we remember back in 2023 when he was a rising senior and he went to Elite 11 and he lit it up. So you guys can pay attention to that this week. Steven will be at more camps. Look for coverage of that at cleveland.com slash OSU. It's a great time to be a tech subscriber. 614-350-3315. If you just want the recruiting camp stuff, it's a two-week free trial. You can get in now, get Steven's yeah. live on the scene coverage of these <laughs> camps. And then when the camps are done, just type stop into the text and it stops and you'll never get charged if you do it within the two weeks. So if you like recruiting and you don't want to have to go search for stuff and you're at work or you're with your family or you're whatever, you're taking a nap and you want to know, hey, right now, Steven's sending that stuff out. So it's an interesting time to do it. And then we'll hit some more of these on Buckeye Talk. We'll, we'll do at least one, probably two more of these as Ohio State continues working through these June camps. It's a big part 
of the summer, and it's future Buckeyes, man. It's future Buckeyes. Steven, long day at the camp. Thanks for uh, making time for Buckeye Talk here late on Monday night. For now, for Steven Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.